y'all. Sup, y'all. Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know Her. I'm Katie. I'm Christy. Oh, like you're like an enchanted. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I've said this once, I'll say it again. I, I just feel like sometimes Spicing I need to it switch up. it up a little bit, mm-hmm. make my inflection a little bit more fun. I know, and here's the thing, I prepare, I know that you're going to say it in a weird way. I just, or every time, I. it's just not the one that I was expecting. It's really hard. I mean, there's not a lot to work with. It's just like, it's Christy, it's Christy. Like, what, how do I change it up? I know. But, I mean... Well, maybe one day we'll... You know what we should do? We should do kind of like what Armchair Expert does, where now they full-on have just committed to Dax refers to himself as Dan Rathers and refers to Monica Badman as, like, Minnie Mouse or <laughs> Monica the Weather... What is it? Like, Hurricane... Mo- or, like, Monica the Weatherman or something like that. So, um, I mean, like, nicknames? Like, aliases? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, we'll come up with this. Um, anyway. So, anyways, today we are... We are inspired by not so much what's going on in our lives personally, but more so what's going on in the world right now and in the world of the Olympics, because that's all everybody's talking about right now. And specifically, Simone Biles and her choosing her mental health and her, her health in general over success or winning or competing or whatever. So, um, you know, that's something that we've obviously like talked about, how important mental health is and prioritizing it. So... We, like, while it's in the zeitgeist and while people are talking about it now, like, I feel like we can kind of dive in and and explore it a little bit more. Um, Yeah, it's a very wide-range topic, mental health. It casts a huge net over so many topics, but specifically, like you said, we were inspired by Simone's decision. And as I was thinking about it, even more so, I mean, with Prince Harry and Meghan, too, like, two really prominent figures in their own right who have come forward and really... Yeah, I kind of forgot about, up yeah, that's a good about point. their mental health and how important it is. And then we were, yeah, just really inspired to talk about our specific stories with choosing our mental health over what may be deemed as success or, you know, for other people pretty much. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to talk about with that, but that's the general idea of what brought us here today. Yeah, so we're going to get into all of that and our feelings and our personal experiences with it and kind of our feelings about Simone specifically and all of that. Um, but before we do, we're obviously going to do a little check-in. Yeah, do you have anything to ask me? Or? Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you listen, you know that Christy went on a trip to Colorado. Did you, I, did you said it was Colorado, right? Did you ever know? Yeah. Specifically say, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you Secret said Secret project. I, no, I really, I don't know for a minute, um, I thought you didn't, but... We, obviously, I got, like, a little bit of an update. We talked throughout because I was feeding Boots, your cat, mm-hmm. while you were gone. So, and of course, like, we're going to check in. I was worried about Christy, like, falling off a mountain or getting murdered or something. Yeah, either um, one. So, and you didn't turn on your location, which I didn't appreciate. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, because I checked multiple times. It was like, it's so weird. She still didn't turn it on. And that's why I was like, hey, just like, hello. Um, but, you know, how was, if you listen last week, especially, we were talking about, like, Christy, you were feeling like we're a lot of, like, um uncertainty about what you were going to experience basically mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and like the overwhelming feeling of that so mm-hmm. was it what what happened what was it um so I'm trying to think of where to begin with the meaning of this trip I mean I know I've talked about it a little bit before but now having gone through it I I think I, I did get out of it what I was looking for which was just a combination of you know, decompression, rejuvenation, but then also just reconnecting with myself in whatever way came up. I wasn't really honing in on a certain awakening that I wanted. It was more so just to reconnect with myself, be in nature specifically. Mm-hmm. And um, in nature, more so of like a certain magnitude, you know, because like we have places we can go around here where we live, but Colorado in particular just Honestly, I think it's ever it's been ever since you and I drove through Colorado mm-hmm. many years ago on a quick little road trip to California. Yeah, it was tw- almost 12, my God. 11 or 12 years ago. Yeah. Jesus. I know. Um, Gross. And I remember us getting a taste of that visual of Colorado and just life out west. And I think I've just been chasing that high ever since. So the trip itself was great. I, like I said, I did everything that I had planned on doing. I was you know, trying to make sure that I was fulfilled, but then also wise in my safety. I was there alone. I had no idea what my surroundings were about. So I was really just a fish out of water, but I I think I did pretty well. Yeah. Um, 
there were a few parks that I went to. I went to Garden of the Gods. I went to... What is sub- what is Garden of the Gods, though? So it's this... It's like a... They're like stone mountains that have just been there since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And they're like red rocks, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And they're just huge and beautiful. That's all. So where I was, I was in Colorado Springs. I had ventured into one of the mountains where there's like seven... It's called Seven Falls. And this actually brings me to the story I was going to tell you about the only minor emergency that I had while I was there, which luckily I navigated and I'm alive and well. Mm -hmm. So let me My bet is so weird. I want to say my guesses. Yeah. So I texted Chris. I texted you. I asked how you were, like, if you were alive or whatever. And you were like, yeah, I just almost had, like, an emergency. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a weird word. Uh Uh-huh. An emergency. And I was like, okay. Then I was like, care to elaborate? And you were like, no. no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so what I think are, there's three options. The first one, I think I think you would be scared enough and you would know better than to either tell me right away or never tell me at all that you almost fell. Mm. Oh. Or tripped or stumbled. Okay. Likely. A likely story. I know. I'll give which, you that. And that was something I was very concerned about. Mm-hmm. People die all the fucking time falling off the mountains. Um the second thing is that, like, you ripped your pants or, like, you, like, something like Peed that. Like, an, embar- yeah, an embarrassing, <laughs> war- like, wardrobe malfunction. Something went wrong with your wardrobe. Uh-huh. You got to the top of the mountain and realized you weren't wearing a bra or, like, something oh. like that. Okay. And then the third is that you had an awkward... No, that wouldn't be an, an emergency. I can't think of a third... I can't think of a third emergency. But I would actually. have, like, an awkward encounter with somebody. An awkward encounter <laughs> or something that I'm like, why would you call that an emergency, though? <laughs> I mean, it could be because I'm very awkward. And awkward I saw that you posted a picture of you that somebody else took, so I was like... Well, that I was oh, that yeah. Okay. So no, that was one. Oh my god. So that's the other thing really quick before I dive into to my emergency is that so being alone, like I also am not somebody I'm more of a photographer of the scenery. I don't need to be in the pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm not photogenic. I know that about myself. I don't try to be. But a part of me was like I feel like I should capture myself in the environment in case, you know, I want to be nostalgic and reflect on my time there. That's mm-hmm. just what I do. Um so the first, so the picture that I actually posted was at the Garden of the Gods. Then when I went to Seven Falls, I have another picture of myself in front of the falls that I will not post because I look like such a douchebag. <laughs> I literally look like a camp counselor, just hand on the hip. I even said to the lady who I asked, I was like, I don't know how to pose. But it was like this couple. Now, I strategically chose her because she was probably like maybe in her 40s. Looked like her name could have been Pam. Mm-hmm. She had a husband there who was a little bit older and like a little bit more grisly. So... I heard them behind me, and she was, like, taking a picture of her husband in front of um, the mountain, and she was like, now smile. She was like, don't grimace, smile. And I was like, she's for me. Um, that sounds like me or it sounds, Katie. And, yeah, it sounds like me too. So I was like, she she knows what's up. And, yeah, the picture shan't ever see the light of day because I look so dumb. I can't ever. And if I give it to you, you'll do something embarrassing with it. So yeah. that will be for my vault. The point of the story is there's, like, a paved road up all the way to like the base of all the waterfalls and as you're walking through like the mountains around you are so enormous that you can't fathom that you're a human being Mm -hmm. you you might as well just be a speck of dust which you you basically are when you when you look over this type of landscape so I'm like walking in this like wall of huge rocks and mountains it literally felt like I was in the moon and I was just having a moment I also had had a couple edibles while I was out there I was feeling it I was in nature I was feeling super alive and well just a real connection with mother earth and Mm -hmm. high as fuck so I'm also wearing contacts and now if you know me you know that I've had many a mishap with contacts whether it's anything really anything anything could happen and you're literally, literally blind as a bat without them. They're not <laughs> like for sport or for like, I don't have, I should wear glasses. I could have contacts. Um, I can't because I can't touch my eye. But like, I can see right now if I have glasses or I don't, I can see. If you don't have a visual aid, you cannot I'm see. I'm Thomas J, basically, from was, my girl. Oh, I was like, I can't see without my glasses. Mm-hmm. I really can. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking down and I'm like, Wow. It's a little breezy down here. It's uh, it's really picking up. And then I'm also wearing sunglasses, right? Yeah. And I'm like 
just like my head tilted back, feeling the breeze upon mm-hmm. me. And then it gets a, like a little stronger and I was like, whoa. And then all of a sudden it feels like a wasp or something <gasps> flies directly into my eye. No, it wasn't. It was Mother Earth, her wind. Dried out. My eyes were so dry that I guess when a certain gust of wind came in under my sunglasses and hit me right in the eyeball, it like broke my contact right in half, <gasps> like on my eye. And from then on, I was like, okay, like trying to recover. And I was like, any, oh. any moment now, it'll be fine. Oh, it'll be God. fine. And then it's like not fine. And then it just keeps just becoming more painful and my eyes watering. And I'm like, okay, just walk it off. Walk it off. We'll just, you know, we'll just walk down like, you know, Jack Sparrow with one eye and it'll be fine. <laughs> Katie? <laughs> pretending to be a pirate in the beginning that's a picture he's like shut one eye I was like excuse me sir and it's like a it's like a shrub or something (laughs) so I'm like okay it'll be fine and then I I I start to like quickly like my survival instincts start to kick in I'm like okay what do I have do I have like a mirror or something that I can at least like try to fish it out and then I was like my hands though they're like dirty I can't be touching my eye Many a thought running through my head. I'm starting to panic more and more. People are just like walking past me, like not giving a shit. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I basically, I have hand sanitizer. I have uh, contact drops to like re-wet my eye. And I'm pulling out, I have like an old napkin that I have. So I like pull off to the side. I literally look like I'm sobbing. Like I have like tissues in hand. I have like eye drops in my hand also. I'm like dousing my hand in hand sanitizer. And I can't even open my eye. I, I don't know what to do. I'm like pouring the drops in trying to get some relief and it was a lost cause I literally had to walk down the rest of the mountain it you know what it um like when you have 3d glasses on for a 3d movie but there's nothing 3d that's mm-hmm. what it looks like that's what it looked like for me like it was like mm-hmm. no depth perception but then like kind of like one eye I could see super clear I get down I, I make it to the car I am able to see like I like open my eye I try I see where the contact is I try to like take it out. It flies out and literally vanishes in, into thin air. I don't know where it, it wasn't in. I don't know where it went. That contact didn't want to be a part of you I, or your journey I at have, all. It literally poof just so wait, thin but, air. Did you have another pair? No, I didn't expect my contacts. I to, know that's to why I'm like. Break. Did you have your glasses? No. None of this, none of this was on my radar whatsoever. Well, of course it wasn't on your, I mean in general for the rest of the trip. So oh, the, yeah. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, no, not like on my person. Well, yeah, I, of course. But yes, of course. I did okay. have like, I did have backups. That's why I was like, wait, I wait, didn't wait, go, what? I didn't go with one pair of contacts. But then, okay. so I finally get it out. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I have to drive home back to the Airbnb. Oh my God. Katie, I was like. Oh <laughs> my, my God. My quivering eye was <laughs> It was working so hard. I was like, okay, you got this. And a lot of deep breathing, a lot of... Luckily How far I, was the drive? Like 20 minutes. Oh, okay. All right. And I managed because I'm a fucking survivor, right? right? And so I get you back... Are that in the car? No, I should have, though. Yeah. Um, but I get back and I recover. And that was... I mean, that was pretty much the gist of it. But like in those moments, I was like, I... I just foresaw so many terrible things happening whilst driving. The edibles, though, I will say, this is all, like, this whole, all these stories are very true to me. So I go to, you know, a recreational dispensary, and I'm looking at this one little jar of gummies. They are fast-releasing whatever they're supposed to activate in, like, 15 minutes. And I was like, perfect, you know, we're only here for a short time. And the guy's, like, talking to me, and he suggests that I just take half of a gummy because you can always take more, you can never take less. And Pandora can go back in the box. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we've had plenty of experiences where we go from zero to 100. So I was like, okay. Basically, I start out with, I was like, I'm going to eat one. Like, come on now. So yeah. I, ate a, I ate one full gummy. They sell them as a whole gummy for a reason. Right. You know. And they're, it's fine. So I ate one. I waited a good 20 minutes. Now, I'm already past the threshold of when it should have activated. I don't really feel anything. So I wait like another 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm just going to eat another one. I'm just going to have a second one. And again, like I go, I have like a short walk through a park. I make it back home. And it wasn't until I was sitting down, I was like, oh. And then for the rest of the night, I was literally on the couch light as a feather, stiff as a board, like <laughs> not like a vampire. <laughs> like I, and only my eyes could move. <laughs> hours for hours 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 so many hours and I 
being alone also, I was like a little nervous that my mind was going to start freaking me out. So it was like a very strenuous exercise. Could you watch like a movie or something? Oh yeah, no. Okay. There's Netflix there obviously. So I just put on something comforting. I think I put on Super Bad or something. So well, all in all. All in all. I mean, obviously, it sounds like a good trip. I want to know, though, mm-hmm. what we were talking about before you left specifically was, you know... Oh, my spirituality. Well, the spirit... Yes, but also, like, you were nervous that you were going to get there and love it so much that you wouldn't... Want to leave. Yes. Right. How... Do you feel... Like, did you love it as much as you thought or not as much as you thought or, like, indif- Like, where I, did you fall? I oh. did put some thought into that just to really be mindful of, of my surroundings and how I felt while I was there... And truthfully, I've come to two conclusions. One of them is that if I had like a really comfortable home base and then I had the option to go do the things that I did while I was there, because I did have the thought, I don't know if I was in my deep black hole of the gummies at this point, but I did think I was like, well, I am technically doing the same thing I would do when I'm at home. Like Mm -hmm. I would try to go find like a park or some type of nature and then come back and chill at my house. So I was essentially doing the same thing, but... Like I said before, the magnitude of the nature that is out there is just much more meaningful. So if I had a more comfortable home base, I could picture myself really enjoying living out there and having those opportunities to go do that and like reconnect the way that I would like to. Then on the other hand, I was like, well, that's not, it's not something that I would do right away if it is something that I would consider. So in the meantime, I'm, I think I'm going to make it a point to continue to chase this high of trying to find really vast scenery in particular and just get as much of that as I can in different places. So while I was in Colorado, the views were amazing. I told you before that I had like a day of reflection on my last day. I was crying in public because I was so emotional just um, about my life. And that's kind of when I had the realization of like, well, it doesn't need to stop here and it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to just remain in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So until I make the decision of whether or not I want to plant myself either in Pennsylvania or somewhere you know closer out west, in the meantime, I think I'm really just going to continue to seek out more vast scenery, nature, things that just I want to be in awe of because it really does kind of, for me at least, it, it helps. gives you perspective. Yeah, it gives me perspective, but it also... It's a, it's a much greater feeling than just simply feeling grateful. I felt, and this may say a lot about like where I am in my mental health journey and like my healing process, but being around mountains in particular, because that's the other thing I want to specify is like for some reason it's the mountains that make me feel this way. And I don't know if it's because they represent something that is what I would like to think of myself as, like something that's really steadfast, strong, can weather all types of weather, um, and still just remain who they are, what they are. It was just like, it's like a comforting feeling. It's almost kind of like a, like a nurturing feeling that I get from that where it's like, I, I can't describe it. I think that's like where the spiritual element comes in of just feeling taken care of by these larger than life things. And by Continuing to seek that out and look for it, I think that it can only help me grow and make me feel more connected than I am because I've noticed that when I am more disconnected in my everyday life, that's when things can go awry. And I... Well, that's why, like, you know, there's always been physical places like that that are spiritual places that humans go like mm-hmm. Stonehenge all the like mountains valley all the things rivers lakes there's all ignore it by the way like ignore the cicadas, cicadas guys like it's I'm sure you guys uh, you know everyone has them right now but just ignore the fucking sound um but I think that and I think that maybe part of it too is like you know I think it's a good idea to because you are chasing you like you said a change mm-hmm moving is a change for a moment and then that change is gone then you are stuck in the Mm -hmm. same position you are now and it's not that you don't like it here you just want something new right so by camping yourself out somewhere familiar that you do have a support network of people that isn't super expensive Mm -hmm. that you can plant yourself out of and philly is so easy to travel from that Mm -hmm. at least for your five-year plan is travel Mm -hmm. like see things like go do things and i think a lot of it is like I felt like for a long time, like I had certain things that I wanted to 
see and like I felt really passionate about like certain doing certain things and I feel like when you start checking more and more off like you're you're not saying that you're gonna one day be like I'm over mountains mountains are always fascinating like always but like there might come a day where now you're like you see something else that you're like I never saw that before Mm -hmm. this is this is even crazier than a mountain because I remember even thinking like in when we were in Monaco for our honeymoon we were in Monaco for like a short for the last leg of our honeymoon and I I don't know I guess I never really thought about Monaco it's a really tiny place you know I don't know and we were in the south of France before that which is mostly it's hilly in the back like you can see small mountains always but you're on the coast so it's just a little bit I don't know it's not um I didn't know what to expect and when I got to Monaco I didn't realize that all of Monaco is built into cliffs like Mm -hmm. literally into cliffs and there's escalators that mm-hmm. take you from one cliff to the next, like, all throughout. And you're so high up and near the clouds that there's literally clouds around oh, yeah. anything at a certain level. And the seas below you. And it's just, like, even just seeing something that was... It's not that it was so gigantic. It was just so different than any landscape I had ever seen. And everything about it was so different than France, even, and, and everywhere else. Um and I think that that is that perspective. And that's why, like, I feel the same way about traveling. Like, mm-hmm. I always want to get myself another place that I haven't been before. Like, mm-hmm. always. And I think it does make you a different person. You pick up on new pieces of yourself. Mm-hmm. And even, like, things that people do there that you bring with you or, like, culture of it or whatever. Um, and that's – and I think that that's what will make me feel fulfilled is just kind of filling my jar with a lot of different experiences yeah. and – types of people and interactions and things like that because I have this thirst to learn and to see and to experience and honestly like it's so weird because I didn't I'm glad that while while I was there I didn't think about work or anything really back at home at all and I mm-hmm. I think it was maybe just a testament to how conscious I was of being mindful while I was there but it was just really nice to kind of reprioritize certain things in my life. And like as I was sitting looking over the mountain, and again, this could have been some of the gummy talking, but I almost like pictured us as people, like individual people, like looking at this amazing view of nature that has been there for, Mm -hmm. you know, since the beginning of time and is still there. We just... (laughs) We seem so insignificant. Like, we, we seem like just little we bubbles. Are. Little bubbles that have mm-hmm. pretty much budded off of these mm-hmm. structures. And we're floating around. Some of us just have, like, more control of our bubble than others. Others are aimlessly wandering. But that's all we really are. And it I, just yeah. really kind of makes you, like I said, reprioritize things in your life. So, yeah, there was just a lot of, a lot of small and large meaningful things that came out of the trip. So I'm glad that I did it. And I'm also glad that now I have this newfound desire to go to other places. Wanderlust. Yeah. Well, I was going to get into the topic, but I wanted to cut back to you and see mm-hmm. where you're at. So are you feeling, you seem a little bit calmer. Uh, yeah, I do today. feel calmer. I think because I, because I know that like things are happening, you know, that I'm dealing with it, mm-hmm. that like help is on the way dear. you know, like I think that that's, Partially what's keeping me calm, partially I haven't, I didn't have anything, any major events or anything I had to do this week or, or go see anyone that made me anxious or do anything like that. Um, I've still been anxious about school because my schoolwork is just bananas this semester, but um, other than that, I do feel good. I feel, again, it's so weird, I, it, maybe it is Leo season, but I feel more myself. Um... And I feel like there's been some changes and some things that I just feel like, um, I don't know. I think I'm like, I'm making small progress. Mm -hmm. And like right now I'm nervous because I just booked a trip. I told you like Ricky and I will be going to San Francisco, Lake Tahoe and Yosemite in in the end of September for our anniversary. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of underlying anxiety of like, you got to get your shit together and get fixed before then because this can't happen there and I, I I don't I don't even know if I could do a long flight how I'm at right now because I had such a bad panic attack on the flight to France mm. um so I think my thing is right now I'm feeling more 
at ease, ironically. I think it, it might be different later this week, but I'm feeling more at ease because I, like, it's not traditional behavioral cognitive therapy, which he does do as well, but, like, since I'm going to be doing, what's it called? I'm, oh, that rapid eye movement? Yeah, like, where I can't remember the word, like, the name for it, but um, when you work through trauma by doing, like, physical things, like, with your eyes or whatever, mm-hmm. um, so because I'm going to be doing that, it feels less like, oh, I have to do the work. It more feels like, it feels less like I'm, like, going to the gym by myself and trying to put a routine together and someone's, like, do these five push-ups and this will work. And I'm, like, okay. Like, yeah. it feels different than regular therapy in that, like, I'm not, like, oh, great, now this week I'm going to have to go into all of this. Like, I'm looking at it as more so, like, not a talking session, more so, like, a like we're doing something different here. It's so, like a task. Like, having a task yeah. to do, I think, does help focus your mind a little bit as instead of dipping your toe in the entire pool of all of your trauma from your past it's like we have a task at hand here yeah and I'm just curious where we're gonna begin like where you know what what where how it starts so I'll keep you all posted on that obviously um come next week by then I'll be I'll have done it already had my first session I think we're gonna start actually doing it this week uh but I'll keep y'all posted yeah but um you know in regard to mental health that brings us to our topic Mm -hmm. so like we said I mean I know we went on for a little bit there but we you know we wanted to touch on there's a lot in the news right now celebrating Simone for realizing that she was not in a good mental headspace and therefore could cause herself physical real physical harm um and then there's some people who are talking shit and and mostly men (laughs) Mm -hmm. um who don't understand so I think that there's a couple of things here that I think number one you and I relate to this in two kind of different ways is that said it once said it twice a million fucking times you're a people pleaser I am a perfectionist so my goal is always to be the best um, I, I strongly relate to Simone, how, how devastating that is to be so close, have worked so hard and then in the last minute have to make the really most difficult decision of your life of being like, this isn't healthy for me. And on your end, the weight that Simone feels of the world and wanting to please everyone and get the medal for America and like do all these things for our country, for her family, for her friends, like on such a macro and micro level of wanting to please everyone else and knowing that some people will be disappointed in you if you choose the right decision it for yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the good thing is the majority of people, I think, are in the camp of knowing that she made the right decision. I'm seeing more people celebrate her than, mm-hmm. than talk badly about it. But um, because it's something that you and I have talked about before, like, it's it's... I, it would feel like a disservice for us to not address this or not bring it up. And I and we do, we both, like, truly love Simone Biles so much. Uh, she's she's just incredibly, t- I mean, how could you not? She's beyond. What she represents is so, it makes me feel so deeply for her and other people like her. And Simone in particular, I think being a woman and being somebody with literally the weight of the world on her shoulders and how she you know, is very honest about what she is going through, but then on the same token has accomplished, I mean, as if she fucking owes us anything. She's already, she's Mm -hmm. never lost. I think what's really hard for a lot of people to comprehend, mostly men and then women who haven't experienced sexual assault or something similar, is that, like, when you recognize your trauma, everything's different. Mm -hmm. And then to go back into that place and see officials and people who, who protected him there are hundreds of people surrounding her at all times that were that knew or didn't protect her or could have. Everything is a trigger and a reminder of exactly what she went through and not only her but everyone else. And then the pressure of, she said, the happiest times of her life are when she's not doing gymnastics. She's doing this simply to not let America forget what the Olympic Committee allowed to happen. Right. And that is something that... Um, so yes, like I think, cause I was talking to Ricky about this last night he was like, but no, wait, she wasn't saying that that's why she backed out. She was saying that it's because when you get in midair, you can get this thing where e- your equilibrium goes off and then you lose track of time and space. And I was like, yes, that's true. But that could happen to every gymnast at every time. And the reason it doesn't is because of their incredible focus and training to be mentally strong enough to know where they're at. If she slips or her mind mm-hmm. wanders for even a moment, 
that's what happened there when she was supposed to do what two and a half spins she did one and a half mm-hmm. she thought she was had enough space to do another full mm. turn and was almost at the ground she's so talented and skilled that she was able to land anyway and put her feet down if she had had one more second she could have broken her neck and died immediately and that i think because even in the qualifying i was watching the qualifying and i noticed there was one where she was doing a floor routine and she's she didn't stick three landings in a row and one of them she stepped because you know like every step is a point off she took like five steps off the mat she was fully off the mat and I was like I have never seen her do this and she was doing things that I was like she's not mentally there Mm -hmm. like this was happening as she said long before the finale you know before the finals but like I think that people and especially in competitive sports like that are Mm -hmm. so you're trained and pushed to disregard your own personal feelings at all cost because that's weakness and like push through and that's how greatness is born um and I think that she's maybe a really great representative for a time where we are shifting the culture and we cannot continue this put your emotions aside put everything aside be great be the best being the best sometimes is realizing that you are not at your best and taking a step back and and saving your own life Mm -hmm. like literally well right and you know, because she's in the realm of competitive sports, the she has to weigh the option of letting down, or what she would feel like is letting down her team, her country, mm-hmm. and by speaking up and being honest about what she's going through and, and knowing herself well enough that I need to take a step back out of this. But then on the other hand, if she were to just try to persevere and suppress those feelings and ignore her instincts she could potentially risk her physical health her you know I mean on a more superficial level like she could then lose instead and then everybody scores were low she was getting really low scores like so it's like she's damned if she does mm, damned if she mm -hmm. doesn't and if anything I think that it's much more admirable like I said that she took the route that she did because she being able to make those types of decisions, you, there's just a level of knowing yourself enough to know when this is not good for me. And that's really what we wanted to center the topic around today is specifically in instances where we have felt like we can relate to her in the sense of mm-hmm. you having that sense of needing to be perfect and do everything and then me feeling like I'm going to let other people down if I don't. And all of that is tied into where is our mental health why you know where does it fall in line as far as our priority and as we've learned and grown and aged and experienced life we have luckily been taking the steps to prioritize our mental health in ways that we may not have done before because we were so worried about not looking perfect or letting down a bunch of people that i don't owe anything to necessarily so and and even and the just societal like concepts of like that you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. You'll, you'll be happy when you get through it. Like it's, you know, you, it's all worth it. Like it's sometimes it's not worth it. And like, that's so subjective. And for someone else to tell you that because they did it and they're happy they did doesn't mean that it's going to be the same and worth the pain. And I think like for me, there's in terms of the letting myself down and stuff, like I strongly, I feel like I most strongly relate to Simone in when I was lifting constantly and training to be to I wanted to do a bodybuilding competition that's what I wanted I was I had a trainer who I worked with and then I worked on my own and then I was training other people as well because I was in school to be a personal trainer on top of working full-time and at that time I remember the thing is that like I was telling I've told you before but like that that zone in feeling that thing that when I told you even like hey, I'm going to start working out again. I get very competitive. So when you see me getting like this, you have to step in because I go into a zone that is um, like eyes on the prize. This is what I want. This is what I'm working for. Ignore everything else. Everything. Do what it takes, basically. Do, yeah, exactly what it takes. Like even if your your body is tired, your mind is tired, you don't want to do it. Um, and I've always felt like that. But I never found anything that I was passionate enough to actually stick through. Like, it wasn't that I didn't have the drive. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I would try stuff and I was like, nah, I don't really care about it. Mm-hmm. And then there was something about, well, <laughs> something about meeting my body. <laughs> just your whole eating disorder. Um, my eating disorder was thriving. So that triggered that part of my brain that was the missing piece of the obsession. 
And that's the only thing I'm obsessive about. So when I combine those two things, that drive, and I worked at it really hard for about two years, and I got down to, I mean, I don't know if anyone like listening knows what this means, but I was probably about 13, 12, 13% body fat, which is really low for a woman. Um, you stop losing your period, at, you stop getting your period at like 9%. So uh, I was getting there. I was getting really close. And you kind of have to, to compete. And by the time I had reached that point, I burnt myself out so bad and my mental health was in such a terrible space that I ultimately wasn't able to compete because and this is where and I've mentioned on the podcast before that it gets like dicey it's hard for me to remember what happened um I say that I that I freaked out and then shut everything down Ricky says that I shut everything down and then I freaked out in retrospect that I shut everything down Mm. he says that I like one day was like I'm done with this I'm done with this and then afterward everything came crashing down I remember the opposite, so I don't know, but um, that feeling of devastation of, like, there is, I I can't even explain the feeling, and I I just empathize with her so strongly of, like, the only thing I can compare it to is, like, that gut-wrenching, like, grief, because that's what it feels like. It feels like grief. You are losing, it's a loss. Like, Mm -hmm. you were like, no, that was right there. I'm going to do it. Everyone knew you were going to do it. It was a plan. And then you just couldn't. You just couldn't execute it. So all of that time and and everything is now for what? Like for nothing. And in my case, that's why it caused me to completely bail out and gain weight and not work out at all because I was so heartbroken by the whole thing Mm -hmm. and couldn't deal with that disappointment again of, of reaching that point and then not being able to follow through. And, you know, I, I mentioned, like, there's parts of it that, yeah, I didn't want people to see me, like, later on after I gained weight and, and be, like, it's not that I'm worried about them being disappointed. Again, I'm not perfect. They're seeing that I'm not this thing that I thought that I would be or that I presented myself to be. It's not so much I was worried about them being disappointed, mm-hmm. which I know is, like, your, you know, where it, like, really ties in for you. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like when you are in that space, especially with tunnel vision and you become obsessed with Mm -hmm. this one goal, that, I mean, it is probably extremely difficult to keep your identity as a person separate from what that goal is. Yeah, that was my identity. Exactly. So I think when it when they start to tie in together and that becomes your identity and then when you have to walk away from that, you're going through a crisis of then your value as a person, you know, who you are essentially. Which is something that a lot of athletes and Olympians feel when they age out or when they, mm. you know. I'm sure, yeah. They're only in their late, for Olympians, they're in their mid-20s, late 20s, yeah. like 28 is like ancient in, yeah. in Olympian years. And then there's people, um, you know, who age out of sports in their late 30s you're in your 30s like and yet your career is over like now everything you've ever identified as like I've heard about Mm -hmm. a lot of people talk about that on podcasts and in books and and you know I wasn't even yes I thought that it was slightly tied in because I was in school to be a personal trainer and I did think that was going to be my entire Mm -hmm. life even though at the time I was still working as an Annie full-time so it wasn't my whole whole life I still had a job to go to so I can't imagine it being the whole thing um and then on top of that, you know, she's losing sponsorship. She's losing money. She's losing everything. Um, hopefully gaining some as well and some people wanting to work with her, like Michael Phelps, because mm-hmm. he's the only other person who can compare to her. Um, he won the most, well, I think it's the most medals ever. No one's ever won as many medals as him, <laughs> like ever, which is obscene. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you see him like hitting a bong on a video and the next thing you know, he's gone and now he's on talk space commercials for mm-hmm. mental health and talking about his mental health and how... You, when you get to that place of only wanting to achieve, how how it really suffers. And, like, mental health needs to be taken seriously, especially for people who are put in such high-stakes situations. Like, we have all these companies now that, like, do meditation retreats and have, and have coaches on hand that work with their staff to make sure they're not stressed. Why aren't they doing that for Olympians and athletes and, and other – for everyone? Mm-hmm. Like, they, that should be I, – I want to see people like that at strip clubs. I want people counseling strippers. I want people counseling everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, to it's just crazy to push people into these intense environments and expect them to perform. And if they don't, their livelihood is at stake. And no one is willing – you're only willing to critique them. No one's willing to help them. Right. It's, 
it is very overwhelming when you think about it. And I try to remain hopeful just because with so many things going on in the world and so many people, I'm sure, feeling helpless, it's extremely crucial to pay attention to your mental health. And we are definitely not here to tell you what or how or when you need to do what you need to do. But just at least knowing the general concept that if you are feeling a certain way and you can't escape it, that it's extremely important to get the help that you need. And I know that that's a lot easier said than done, but there's a lot of steps that can go into that. Well, we have this entire ass backwards mentality in America of, Fix it when it's broken. Right. Don't pay to prevent it. Right. So, like, we have to pay exorbitant amounts in health care, but no one wants preventative care. Mm-hmm. Like, they won't allow you to do that. Uh, you can only get help. You can only go to the doctor when you're already sick. No one's going to help you not get sick. So, like, it's th- it's this whole twisted thing where our, that's our mentality with everything. We just expect everything to be great and be perfect. And if it's not, you will pay a price, but no one will help you achieve it. You just will suffer if you don't. If you don't produce, if you don't show up, if you don't do the thing. And, and then the added the added pressure on top of that being a woman, being a woman of color. Mm-hmm. When it comes to learning about Simone and then even Harry and Meghan with the pressure of people pleasing and putting on a, a happy face for the world is, that's where I relate to it the most. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought about my people pleasing and I try to stay very mindful of it now. I was actually listening to a podcast and it helped me put it into perspective to understand it a little bit better because it's much more than just me wanting people to like me. It's a learned behavior that you pick up when you're really young and or even as an adult where you kind of, you take stock in how your caregivers and the people around you create harmony and maintain peace in an environment and you kind of learn that in order to get your needs met, their needs need to be met first in order to take care of yours. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is that you start living in this cycle of always making sure that whoever you're going to, um, that they're okay first, Mm -hmm. even if it's your issue. And it's a vicious cycle because then you start doing that with everybody and you kind of start to lose yourself a little bit more and more each time. So us being humans and being extremely adaptable and you don't really realize how instinctual the things that you do are like even adapting to that that energy that vibe um it's contagious so with me well I guess you could say like I haven't really achieved stepping out of my people pleasing completely mm-hmm. I'm still very much in the process I have only just well, I started think you can like I think you can be aware of it and be cognizant of it and work your best at it but the same way as I will always have perfectionist tendencies and you'll always have those sure you're always gonna have that voice that's like you know make sure they're happy and like don't disappoint them and don't you know but but it's it maybe be able to change it yeah I think it's it's the exercise of it of like staying ahead of that thought mm-hmm. before it, it unravels so although I may have that thought I I am much more conscious of like when I'm doing it so I yeah. can kind of stop it before I get too far into then betraying myself. Um, but something that came to mind when I thought about that that I can relate to um, with Simone in that regard is just, so I had a job where I was essentially in like a, a semi-leadership position where there were other people around me that in some way or the other relied on me. And what ended up happening in this environment is that my mental health was also at stake. There were a series of events that, not to sound dramatic, but they were traumatizing. And I know that even that word trauma makes it seem like it has to be some like large, extravagant event to be traumatic, but that's not the case. I mean, trauma can come in all different sizes. So I would feel pretty confident saying that the situations I was in were traumatic emotionally for me. And it got to the point where I, I'm trying to think of how to describe how I felt because it it definitely felt like an attack almost. And it was an unavoidable environment. So I had to make the decision to prioritize my mental health and remove myself from that environment. Now with that, it, it took a long time for me to get to that decision because of 
what felt like the weight of the world on my shoulders. It felt like I was going to be letting down a whole team of people who, you know, needed my guidance and my skills and everything like that. And it was really hard. And that you thought you could fix if you stayed or make it better, improve it in some regard. Um, like, what do you mean? Without, you know, going too, too into detail, you, um, I remember you saying to me, like, this is good. Now that I have this position, like, I can make a difference. Now I can improve people's quality of life. People will start enjoying their jobs. Like, you didn't look at it as, like, here are my tasks at hand. It was now I can improve everyone else's work job, work-life balance, which, or how they feel at work. And that's not possible to do for mm-hmm. anyone. So, of course, then when it doesn't get better and, in fact, gets worse Mm -hmm. and people are then even upset with you for not doing what you said you were going to do, it's like putting yourself in the worst, in the worst position. Like in the, in, it's a, for what you, for being a people pleaser, that's like the worst tornado of combinations of things. You know what I mean? Is wanting to do it, not being able to do it, then people being mad at you that you couldn't do it. And then, and also being caught in the middle of multiple people that are... And as a, you know, what, a nine on the Enneagram, that's another, that's the peacemaker. So that's another part of that. Yeah. And the thing is, is that my perception of what I thought people were going to then think about me if I did remove myself was not even the truth. It was all just an assumption that I made based off of my patterns before of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I was making the assumption that if I do do this for myself, that they're going to be mad at me for abandoning them Mm -hmm. and not catering to their needs first. And none of that was all just a perception. It wasn't truth. Mm -hmm. None of them have vocalized any of that to me. They've never acted in any way. Like they were mad at me for it, but it did take a long time for me to come to that decision because I I just have this thing where I want to make sure that I do everything that I can. And it's not always to cater others. It is just to create an overall harmonious environment mm-hmm. um, and and live and exist peacefully. And then when I feel like it is actually affecting my mental health in a way that is harmful and just extremely toxic for lack of better words, then it's, it's really, I have to take a look at the situation and, and, you know, take care of myself in the best way that I can. And sometimes, unfortunately, that means having to take yourself out of it. And it's the shame and the guilt that you feel afterwards that is hard to cope with because no matter what the people say to you, you know, we're not going to be mad at you. This is the right thing for you. You're doing the right thing. I still can't help but feel like I'm leaving these people behind in a situation that I know is awful. And they don't need me. They don't need Mm -hmm. me. It's not my responsibility to take care Mm -hmm. of their happiness. Mm -hmm. And that's a responsibility that I've only put onto myself. They have not done that to me. And, you know, that just comes back to Simone in the sense that, you know, all of her team members... She felt that, you know, I'm sure she felt that um, the guilt and the shame of having to walk away. But I did read an interview that she did where she was like, you know, I had to tell them that you guys will be fine. She came right back out and cheered them Mm -hmm. all on. She put her sweatsuit on and she was she was coaching them from the sidelines. She was directing them. And um, yeah, like I think definitely because that's the thing is like you can't there's going to be that guilt that comes with the with not. With any disappointment, whether it's on yourself or not, because I still feel that guilt the same way where it's not that I'm worried about what other people think, but I still wonder, like, did were you strong enough? Like, could you have just done it, though? And I don't know. I'll never know because I made the decision I made, and that is what it is. But it's hard to not ask yourself the what-ifs, but I think that no matter what, if you are choosing to take a step back or take the route of inaction over action to preserve your your mental health to then also remember like this is my decision and i i can't now pout about it and 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 sit here and sulk and it would be it would have been very easy for either of us to do that in any situation and, and be like you know make it a bigger deal than it was and really make it go on and on and at the end of the day i mean yes your mental health is important but again, you can't 
even if you do have the weight of the world on you, mm-hmm. it's up to all of them to decide how they feel. Yeah. And just to always remind yourself, like, it's it's not about me. You know, well, that's, on, that's on you. I know how I feel about me and what I did at the end of the day. And if you want to have a feeling about that, you're not in my, bra- my brain. And, like, and I, you are entitled you know? to your feeling as well. And mm-hmm. there's no judgment on my end about how you feel about my decision because I am aware that that may not be what you want. And at least what I've learned throughout the process that I'm still very much in is that I'm trying really hard to learn how to be assertive. And that also is not something that is just a quick fix that I can turn on now that I'm aware of it. It's something that takes a lot of practice and it's really scary and uncomfortable. And being assertive with how I feel, that's why I put so much thought into things is that I want to process my emotions and my thoughts first before I make a decision And that way, if I do have to be assertive about how I feel or why I did what I did, then I can feel confident in in voicing that and telling people that this is what I had to do. And I think that's my lesson in this is just learning how to communicate that. And assertiveness is... It's it's a very fine line as well because I'm I'm not one to naturally be aggressive, but I, I am naturally more inclined to be a little bit more timid and kind of a pushover in certain situations. But so kind of stepping outside of that comfort zone of like just letting people do whatever they want and I'll just put my feelings aside has always been the easy way for me, mm-hmm. but it manifests in ways that are not healthy for me in the long run. So I think that is my my task that. right now. Yeah, that's my challenge, my assignment to learn to get better at. And I think going back to what you said about asking yourself the what if questions, um, something else that has at least helped me and maybe it's helped you too, is learning what questions to ask yourself. So for instance, instead of asking yourself, what if I could have done more? What if all of these millions of scenarios that could have happened if you had just pushed yourself further? I think instead asking yourself questions about how am I feeling right now? How does this situation make me feel? Asking yourself the questions to check in with your emotions and where you're at mentally is I think those are the questions that are more important to ask yourself as opposed to all of the you know fake scenarios that could be catastrophic so yeah and I think like the I guess I mean if I'm I'll I'll give my like a tip I guess um in terms of dealing with that aspect of the um not maybe accomplishing what you wanted to or, or like dealing with that and just accepting it and not that you're not perfect um, is, and I mentioned this on other episodes, but like make sure you're telling yourself the right story. Like mm-hmm. make sure you're actually telling yourself what really happened because a lot of times I know, especially I tell myself another story that isn't actually what really happened. And I don't even know that I really think that is what happened. So it kind of ex- becomes like whisper down the lane sort of with yourself. Yeah. Like it feels like I, it, I don't know. It's, it's like how you can, anyone create, create their own narrative. If you mm-hmm. tell the story enough times, you believe it. Yeah. And I would really believe that I was a quitter, that I was weak, that I was da 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 and like I would tell myself, yeah, I had, I would tell the story of that I had a mental breakdown and therefore I had to stop. Mm-hmm. Or I could tell the story of that suddenly I realized I was headed in a really dark direction and I needed to stop and reassess what was important to me. That's actually the story. So like reminding yourself that the story isn't, Oh yeah, I got overwhelmed, so I had to let down like all of my 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 coworkers, and I had to like make this tough decision. It's like, no, the story was you were in a difficult place. I had to make this really tough decision, and I did. I made the best decision for me and my coworkers going forward. That's the best thing for everyone here. Yeah. Um, because you can't, like you said, can't help anyone else or be your help anyone else be the best if you're not the best. So, and if you're not in your your in a good mental place, so you're doing a disservice to anyone who's there. Um on large scale like Simone could die or on us worst case like we're just not performing well because we're not in a good space so why even be there yeah um the language that you use to tell yourself is really important because it's really easy to mask your story with self-doubt and negativity mm-hmm. and shame and all of those awful feelings you know, it is really difficult to be objective with yourself, but it, it will change the trajectory of how you then go forward with it. But just another example of a question that I, I use myself to 
help maintain is asking myself, what is my responsibility in this situation? Mm -hmm. I think point blank asking yourself that is, it makes it easier for me at least to discern where I'm valid and what my feelings really are. Because if I'm in a situation where I feel like I need to cater to other people's feelings first, I literally will stop myself in my head and I'll think, okay, what actually is your responsibility in this situation with this person? It is not to make sure that all of their needs are met first and cast yours aside and then just do whatever's going to make them happy. There has to be some type of middle ground here. And I think that specific question is something that has really helped me at least, you know, not get so imbalanced with my people pleasing and then ultimate like self-betrayal so yeah no I think it's a good point and that's something that I I think my my old therapist told me that um I remember telling asking myself that or or that Mm -hmm. being something I've thought about before um so I mean I hope that right now like whether you're someone who's like experiencing this or just witnessing it and reading about Simone I'm sure that everyone is kind of like thinking about this and if it's something you never thought about before like great time to start thinking about you too yeah considering your mental health and considering not always just doing it because of the weight of the world or the pressure you put on yourself but actually thinking is this the right idea um and also just trying to understand that you're not the only one that has mental health. I mean, that's another important point, at least, again, that I've learned myself, where I can become very wrapped up in in taking care of me, and that is important. But there is another element to it where there's everybody else around you is also experiencing shit that you don't know about. So just being patient with people, and I know that that's a virtue that you and I both have to practice um, in many ways, but having patience with other people... It can, it can just help put things into perspective for you so that you're not just quick to judge other people for their decision because mm-hmm. maybe that's just what they needed to do. Yeah. So it goes both ways. So, you know, more on this, I'm sure, as time comes because, again, like I said, mental health is such a, a wide-range topic that I mean, we could talk about Everything we talk about really is mental health. So, like, this is really – it's going to continue on. This is what – especially now that I'm back in therapy and, you know, it's something that relates to everything. So mm-hmm. Everybody we'll be talking it. about it more um before we go let's do our oh it's a long one let's do our diamonds of the week our bright spot in a dark week um something that we do for our mental health actually i think it's always good to check in about things that you're happy or grateful about i think some of them are like any weeks that i have tiktoks those Mm -hmm. aren't good for my mental health i actually (laughs) just had to write uh this is an aside but for my mass media class i had to write um i had to spend an half an hour with absolute consuming no media of any kind at all and then I had to spend a half an hour consuming as much media as I could and I had to write about how I felt uh what was more difficult no or all of it and what you know how did I feel and I I've mentioned this on the podcast too but like I know that I have freakouts I think everyone does I think they just don't know it mm-hmm. I have like little mental freakouts when I'm on um social media for too long mm-hmm. and that happened um so it was just interesting but mm-hmm. um I think that in that vein, again, and in the spirit of mental health and telling ourselves the right stories, I'm going to try to really excavate a diamond out of nowhere oh, right now. My, um, we're miners now. I am, basically. A coal miner. I know. I'm like, it's a rough diamond, but a diamond nonetheless, <laughs> I guess. Uh, you know, is that I, even though I don't necessarily enjoy it most of the time, I enjoy the fact that I am in school not necessarily what I'm learning. Yes, the mass media that I do think is interesting, especially because of the podcast, but um, more so that I like being somebody who is spending my free time learning. Mm-hmm. Like, and learning things that I think about all the time. It's funny because, like, when you're an adult in school, it's so different. Like, I'm so cognizant of the fact that I'm literally learning things that I have never heard about before. Um, like, in the last three days, I learned the history of newspapers, radio, and TV. Whole history of all of it. Where it all began, everything that happened. Um, so, I think it's just... I think I'm just at a place where... And even now, I'm in biology learning a shit ton of things I never learned before, which I hate every minute of it. But I'm trying to reframe this as a diamond and, and remember that I am paying to go to school. I chose to go to school. I am not a kid who is being forced to go to school. I have to change this narrative and... Look at this as how many people would kill to have an opportunity to have an access to education. So Mm -hmm. 
I should be grateful or the money or the the means, the capability. So as well, you much should as be, not, but you know, but you're saying that you are. I am. It's I. I should be, and I am. So mm-hmm. my diamond is that I'm going to reframe the story I'm telling myself around school. Not necessarily that I've done it, mm-hmm. but my diamond is that I'm even entertaining that concept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's something that you were so averse to for pretty much our whole, whole adult life. life. Or whole life. Yeah, even before that. I literally said every day I was like, I'll never go back. Yeah, never. I don't know, especially because, again, perfectionist like to know everything. I like to. I I don't like not knowing things. So the more I know, the better. For me and for everyone. Safer, safer that way. No bombs can go off um, because I just, it's a trigger for my anxiety and my insecurity when I don't feel like I know and everyone else knows. Mm-hmm. I don't love that everyone's taken biology and I have it. So it will, I will feel better knowing that I just know like what the hell everyone's talking about here, you know. And I will say as an outsider in the movie that is your life. Mm-hmm. Um, what a movie. What a movie it is. <laughs> But I think that it's kind of, dare I say, fun. Mm. I don't want to say entertaining. I'm not getting entertainment out of it, but it's kind of... Watching me struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Watching you. Like, this is probably how you must have felt with every bad relationship I was in. I was like, she can do it. Like, I know that she's having a hard time right mm. now. And I know that she thinks that she, you know, is just dangling by a thread. But I know that this is going to be really good for her. And she's going to feel great after she's done. So... It's just literally telling myself every day that I'm going to quit tomorrow. Yeah. Literally today, I was, like, cleaning up, and I was like, I'm just going to. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I forcing myself to be in school? I was like, no one is forcing me to do this. I was like, what am I even doing here? And then I was like, mm-hmm. just do the homework today, and then you can quit tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, mm. So I did schoolwork for three hours, and I will do another four hours tonight, and another four hours tomorrow, and another four hours on Monday, and another four hours on Tuesday, and then my next assignments will be due for the next fucking week. <laughs> So, listen, if you're not struggling and uncomfortable, then you're not growing. We've said it before. You're changing and growing. I'm sh- <laughs> and it's even harder because if you're a long-time listener, I, do, I know this is going on forever, but I just have to say, like, if you're a long-time listener, you know that in the very beginning of the podcast, I first started school, mm. and I was telling my tales of, like, the ding-dong slash robots that were yeah. in my class. It was so bizarre. Wow, it was yeah. be- I was, like, a genius. There was nothing that could have <laughs> been worse. It couldn't have started out worse for me because although I was on a high... I then thought, like, oh, everyone here is stupid. Mm. Turns out. No, turns out. Um, I'm In the these stupid. classes, I... Chrissy, I don't know what these kids are talking about. They're writing long paragraphs. They're they're talking about things that I'm literally read. I'm rereading and reading, like, it sounds like legal jargon. Like, I'm like, are you... <laughs> you guys are either the smartest people ever, all of you, or you've all been in school long enough that you've learned how to talk in bullshit, and this mm, is all bullshit. Maybe. And I think it's a combination of both, but I'm like, y'all are so good, and it's all of them. It is not one person. It is my whole class. Okay, so that's my diamond. What is your diamond? <laughs> um, so my diamond is a book that I started reading oh, right, right. whilst at the airport. Um, it's called Make Change by Sean King, and I bought this book in the height of the pandemic, and then kind of shelved it for a little while just because I'm one of those readers that I do have to like feel the moment. Like I have to strike while the iron is hot when I want to read something. But so I started reading this book and it turned out to be so much more than that, that, okay, so I'm going to try really hard to keep this concise because it has evoked a lot of feelings and emotions in me in a good way that I just didn't foresee coming. So basically last week I was feeling very overwhelmed and when I am sitting and reflecting. Sometimes it can get very, it's very easy for me to then um, start thinking even more like globally about like what's going on in the world, the the direction that our country is going in, all of these horrific things that are going on, and then I just feel paralyzed. Yeah. This book has helped put things into perspective in a way that is productive and inspiring and very feasible um, as far as just understanding what is going on. So for instance, I'm going to be, again, I'm going to try to be concise, but in the beginning of the book, he talks about that exact feeling. You know, when you feel so passionate that you want to make a change, especially in the country, the way that things are going right now, you know, it can be hard to find a a, a starting point. What this book inspired in me is that we all need to collectively put in some really diligent work to get ourselves out of this. But what I really loved also about the book is that it ties into getting to know yourself and your own history because that's where you're going to find 
that passion and that fire to dedicate your life to making a change in some way because otherwise if we don't we are going to stay in this low dip for god knows how long it could be centuries i can't go on about it too much there's yeah, no... and i think well and i want to say too because i don't know if you're aware of this but for anyone listening um you know sean king has been a bit divisive in the past people not everyone is a fan of his mm-hmm. um there's a lot of people who don't necessarily feel that he is helping the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't feel that way. I do like him. Mm -hmm. But for anyone who does feel that way, maybe read the book and then make up your mind because there's a lot that, and I haven't read it either, so I'm going to read it too, and then we can all kind of come back and discuss uh, and see what we think and maybe, like, you know, guys, read it and send us your messages and and see because, but I do want to just mention that, like, I, we're, we're aware. I know that. Um, and everyone make up your own mind, and if mm-hmm. you don't like him, don't read it. Yeah. But I would implore you to maybe, as always, I didn't think I really uh, would be interested in Jessica Simpson's story. Her book was fascinating. So it's, just always take yeah. the time to get to know somebody and, and learn more Here, about yeah. them. Um, yeah, it was a huge diamond for me, and it came at the right time. So I really encourage everybody to at least look into it or look into something, a good cause that you can participate in. Yeah. All right, well, it is a long one that I hope y'all <laughs> enjoyed. Sorry, and, guys. Um, we will, oh, I guess follow us on Instagram. If you do pick up the book, let us know. Follow us at We Don't Know Her Pod. Um, we post videos of, you know, a little short video every week uh, from this episode. So, and last week, uh, you know, the other day I posted some, you know, behind the scenes glamour shots of Christy and I. So if you're interested in seeing those, go over to We Don't Know Her mm-hmm. Pod. Uh, you can feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. I do want to shout out our fucking haters. Um, <laughs> if you're the little little troll bitch ass leaving one star reviews, we see each other. And I'm not worried about it. So for everyone else who actually does enjoy this podcast and doesn't spend their time rating podcasts that they just simply don't enjoy or trying to get back at two people personally, um, <laughs> maybe feel free to leave a five star review to combat those, those little fuckers. So... <laughs> uh, that would be fantastic and you can also email us at we don't know her pod at gmail.com hate mail only yeah and if you <laughs> literally show yourself show yourself I dare you okay love you guys bye okay, bye